The Sisu Way, Episode 30, Sea Love, with soul artist Ruben Rojas. Love and be loved. I recently had dinner with someone who told me that one of his best friends had been killed in a private plane crash. Something happened at the service that he'll never forget. At the memorial service, his friend's wife walked to the podium to speak to the gathering. She said a friend had asked her the best memory she had of their life together. At the moment, she had been too grief-stricken to answer, but she thought about it since and wanted to answer the question. They were in their late 40s when he died, and she began talking about a time in their lives almost 20 years ago. She had quit her job to obtain her master's degree, and her husband never wavered in his support. He held down his own job and also did the cooking, cleaning, and other household chores while she studied for her degree. One time, they both stayed up all night. She was finishing her thesis and he was preparing for an important business meeting. That morning, she walked out on their loft, looked at him over the railing, and just thought about how much she loved him. She knew how important this meeting was to his career and she was feeling guilty that she didn't even have the time to make his breakfast. He grabbed his briefcase and hurried out. She heard the garage door open and close, but much to her surprise, she heard it open again about 30 seconds later. From above, she watched her husband dash into the house and walk over to the neglected coffee table. Tracing his finger through the dust, he wrote the words, I love you. Then he raced back to his car the new widow then looked out at her audience and said, John and I had a wonderful life together. We have been around the world several times. We've had everything money can buy, but nothing comes close to that moment. Our lives move with lightning speed. It feels like yesterday that I graduated from college and now 45 years have passed. Although I'm very proud of my business accomplishments in the end, my life comes back to that loving, to being loved and loving. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, gratitude, service, and what it means to choose strength. I am Scott McGee, a mindful warrior on a path of gratitude and service who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. Now, this story about a husband's random act of love always reminds me that the smallest things can make the biggest difference to those around you. It is a reminder to do the little things for the people you love, not just feel, but to act and to show them how much they mean to you. Happiness is a choice. Peace of mind is a choice. And that choice is love. My guest today, Ruben Rojas, knows what it means to take intention and turn it into action. He is a co-founder of Beautify Earth. He's a social impact entrepreneur and a world-class artist that uses the urban landscape as his canvas to inspire others to view the world through the lens of love. So that line right there, to view the world through the lens of love, to see with gratitude and love, is one of, if not the reason why I wanted to have you on the show. I want to make this 
I want to make this episode uh, a piece of art that will help open some eyes, hearts, uh, open some hearts, uh, and to help people free themselves from their self-imposed addiction to suffering. To see beautiful things in humble places. That is a blessing. So it is my hope that we tug some heartstrings out there and help people begin with gratitude so they can be positive, kind, and thoughtful. Love lifts and creates moments that someone will remember. So speaking of using love to lift others, someone who inspired and continues to inspire millions, including me, heavily including me, and that is, I would like to take a few minutes to talk about, and that is uh, Martin Luther King Jr., I've covered some of his, this stuff early, on an earlier episode, I think it was episode three, Strength to Love, but I would like to discuss some of it again because it not, only, not only is it his birthday week, but because I want to highlight some themes that will be expressed on the show uh, and the goals of this episode and some of the feelings I get through Ruben's art and uh, the art of the, the good people at Beautify Earth. So, Martin Luther King, he did a lot of sermons that continue to have impact on today's climate. In fact, I'd say not enough impact. But there's a photo that I continue to share, and I've posted several times on my social media, uh, at One Scott McGee, and I think I've also posted it at the Sisu Way. And that is the picture of the, it's um, basically inside, inside darkness, inside a cave, and looking out of the light, and you're looking out through the hole, and it's a heart. So the heart is like light, and then everything else around it is darkness. So you're kind of looking into the light from the darkness through the lens of love. And then on top of that is where it says that darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that, which is a Martin Luther King quote. Uh, and the quote is from a sermon that he did at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in 1957. And the relevance of his words feel like they could have been easily said today. It deals with learning to love your adversaries. But I want you to keep an open mind on what adversary means, because it doesn't always have to be a person or a thing or, or someone you are battling. So loving your enemies was so basic to King and part of his basic philosophical orientation, the whole idea of love and the whole philosophy of love. This applies to not only people, but to situations and circumstances. And if we were to ask King where we as a society or people should go from here, I think he would say that we must begin by analyzing ourselves and forgiveness. So say again, analyzing ourselves and forgiveness. To begin to love your adversary by looking within. This is the path to learning and growing. There is something in you that arouses the positive or negative response. This is an opportunity for us to take ownership of something we can control, ourselves, our thoughts, our attitudes, and our, our actions. And I hope by sharing this, we can learn something from the past. This is not a me thing. It's not a me versus you. It's not an us versus them thing. This is a we thing. This is a love thing. And so I'm going to take a few minutes. I've deconstructed a sermon uh, as follows, and hopefully you'll listen closely with an open mind. So some of the stuff I'm going to say uh, are 
direct quotes and some are, are paraphrased. So bear with me here. So Martin Luther King, he says, first, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. And there's a reason that's number one, the capacity to forgive. If you do not possess the power of forgiveness, you lack the power of love. That does not mean you forget or ignore what has happened. It means that what you did, uh, it means that what, what did happen is no longer a barrier to the relationship. You recognize it, but no longer use it as a wall between you. Forgiveness lifts that burden and frees the light within. In fact, maybe we can turn that wall into a beautiful mural that incites feelings of inner strength and connection. So secondly, he says that the evil deed of your adversary, the thing that hurts, does not express all that he is. There is light, an element of good found even in our worst enemy. Know, and I've said this several times, that there is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we recognize this, we are less likely to hate our adversary. Hate breeds more hate. See him in a new light. Look for the good that is there. Help him if necessary. Recognize that hate grows out of fear, misunderstanding, and pride. We can recognize that and do something about it before it boils over. Third, we must not seek to defeat or humiliate our adversary, but to win his friendship and understanding. That is the way. Violence is too easy, and in fact, it's not strong enough. So briefly, why, why should we love our adversaries? So three points here. One, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Number two, and this is a quote here, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. And toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. Hate scars the soul and distorts the personality. Mindful that hate is an evil and dangerous force. We too often think of what it does to the person hated. Hate is just as injurious to the person who hates. Like an unchecked cancer, hate corrodes the personality and eats away its vital unity. Hate destroys a man's sense of values and his objectivity. Number three, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. By its very nature, hate destroys and tears down. By its very nature, love creates and builds up. Love transforms with redemptive power. So, the more vicious our response is to a stimulus or events, the more sympathetic the cause becomes. Violence creates more problems than it solves. Again, it's not strong enough. The more we fight, the more darkness we spread, and the less we will achieve. Together, we can be the light in the dark, the calm in the storm, and we can be at peace while at war. So Martin Luther King said, we must discover the power of love, the power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make this world, old world, a new world. We will be able to make men better. Love is the only way. So, Ruben, 
To start off, I want to know about your relationship with love. And to do so, we need to discuss some darkness. And the theme of this show is self-awareness so that we can self-regulate. So how and when did you learn how to navigate yourself out of the darkness and into a place of love? How and when? Yeah, and so to paint a little picture with that, in the past on the show, I talk about people's bios, people's resumes, but if you ever really look at them, that does not define the person. What a person is, is usually through moments in their life. We always go, and generally they're it's kind of centered around darkness or struggles or some type of um, painful moment that broke you down. And then you learn how to get back up. And you know, there's a, a Buddhist saying that life is suffering. And so nobody goes through life without it but it's the moments that create the person you are. And so I'm kind of curious about, you know, if there's a couple moments that you remember that comes up that kind of taught you that you are in control of your destiny and can stand up on your own and bring the light. Yeah, I mean, my whole life has led me to this, but there's been certain moments that allow me to now be where I am to look back at everything. So one of those moments that kind of took me down is in my early 20s, mid-20s, I was in real estate. And we were doing very, very well. Um, money wasn't an issue. You know, I had cars, I had houses, I had friends, I did things. It was amazing. And as we all know about the great crash, the great crash happened. It affected me. And all of a sudden, there was no money. And I was blowing through all my savings. And then I was in bankruptcy. And then I had to rebuild. And in your 20s, prior to doing some self-work and self-awareness work, you kind of operate out of ego. Mm -hmm. Everything's about, how's this look? You know, showboating, being that guy, um, having the rims in the car, all these things. And it feels good. And that's how you validate yourself. You validate yourself because maybe at that moment you don't know how to self-soothe or self-love. And I had to rebuild myself. And, and realizing that, yes, obviously my family was there for me and there's certain friends that were there for me. But if you're not there for yourself, you can easily go down this rabbit hole or down this spiral and say, why me? Woe is me. Why did I deserve this? What did I do? Am I not good enough? Like, and ask these questions. And there's a point where you kind of resonate, sit on them, you know, ruminate, and then start picking yourself up and realizing that, wait, I've made money in the past. I know how to create abundance. You start believing in yourself and you claw your way back up. And that was a big moment of realizing that if I shift how I view something, I can change my trajectory and that we are the sum of the choices we make and blaming someone else or something else or some event isn't the reason to stay in that darkness or that hole. And we can really change exactly where we're going to be. So I decided to change, move forward, rebuild. And so that, was, that choice right? The choice to be happy, choice to create. 
I think at some point in time, and this is not, there's like this, this little switch where some, you were saying, why is this happening to me? And at some point, and not everybody gets to this point, is what is this trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. That little, that little shift now puts you back in control instead of being a victim. It takes the finger that you're pointing at yourself or outward and now you start pointing back at yourself, which is completely empowering. But for a lot of people, they don't get there. It's and, true. And so, do you think, I mean, I don't have the answer to this because I've been asked this before about where that came from or how do you learn that? I mean, was it like a movie, a quote? You know, if it, I can't put my finger on it. I don't like maybe it's from Rocky. I don't know. You know, like growing up, I, I'm not really sure. Well, we're the sum of everything that we've experienced yep. in our lives, and athletics, I think, plays a huge role mm-hmm. in realizing whether you're in a team sport, an individual sport. A lot of it relies with what's between your ears and the conversations you're having with yourself. So when I'm on a team, I will, you know, die for my teammates. That accountability factor is huge. And that's a choice you make for your teammates. So when I'm an individual, when I'm an individual, so let's take a CrossFit workout, Mm -hmm. for example, if I'm on a team, I'm going to go until I pass out. If I'm individually doing this, I can take a quick little break because it's me and that's all we're really worrying about. So that is one life lesson that I always take. I think athletics is super important Mm -hmm. for every single person. There's people that don't know how to compete for the healthy aspects about competing. And you learn a lot. You get humbled. Team sports, individual sports, running track, playing football, I think it's important, especially as a kid. And that is one very clear thought of where this thought of I choose and my responsibilities show from the actions that I chose. I also want to point out, it's not something that you just attain. You're like, oh, I'm at this level. Now I'm always there. Mm -hmm. I think it's something you're always kind of chasing after. And so with that being said, the path isn't straight, right? It's curved and you fall off a bunch. But it's a matter of get get back and get back on and do that self awareness and then so you can oh yeah there is a path and then you oh yeah I can put myself back on the path so that's mm-hmm. that's part of the self awareness self regulation and it's moving forward as long as mm-hmm. you're moving forward yes you can fail we're the sum of our failures there's nothing wrong with that that's how we're gonna learn past relationships you should never regret someone you dated because it led you to your wife or significant other at the moment right now and that has changed you and made you who you are so yep. move forward and get back on the path that's what i mean you don't put your ex-girlfriends on your resume right no <laughs> it's those moments it's, some people might have a big old resume i don't yeah. know but it's the moments that that kind of teach you and create and but those moments where some people can break them down mm-hmm. and so sometimes in those lessons i, I think i want to give those people some slack and one of the, the themes of the show and I think also uh, an interpretation I have of a theme of your the art is that you can bring the, you don't necessarily teach somebody strength. You're not giving them the strength, but you're showing them that the strength comes from in and out. It's a, it's a intrinsic thing that is expressed outward, mm-hmm. not, not outward to in because those that's, that fails. 
extrinsic motivation fails, but if you can light the fire within, then you become powerful and in control of yourself. Correct. It's also how you define strength, right? Yep. Strength and vulnerability. So as a man, we're like, we got to be tough. We can't show emotions. We got to be stoic. We got to keep it all inside. But I think one of the strongest things you could do as a man is stand on stage and cry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how, how much stronger can that be? The, the other night I was watching This Is Us with my wife and we did a funny Insta story. And we're just like, who else cries as much as we do? She looks at me and I'm crying. I'm looking at her. And then we're like, no, let's not look at each other. Cause, and, and yeah, there's moments I still try to hide it. I'm not saying that I'm like, yeah, let's show my tears. But it's, it's the ultimate strength and vulnerabilities when you can show you the full range of your emotions. Mm-hmm. That is, um, I mean, obviously it's part of my first thing up here is vulnerability is strength. Mm-hmm. But that component of it is... I think the you know, stiff upper lip, men don't cry, all this stuff is, again, it's a cultural thing that was placed on us. We didn't choose that culture. We didn't, but again, that was culture that was created at some point in time, my guess fairly recently. Maybe through like, you know, industrial revolution or World War II or I'm not sure. But it, because, and I know it's a fake thing because if it were real, we wouldn't actually feel that. We wouldn't have the sense of crying at a sappy movie. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what we are. We're human and we're men and we're women. So that's how we feel. Again, we can't let culture define that. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. And so being proud of yourself and having the courage to be yourself, that's where the strength is. I actually think it's, and I agree, it's, you're a lot more strong when you are true to yourself instead of conforming through fear but to be part of some culture so that you can be accepted and then that acceptance is actually based on a lie you know you're being accepted on something you're not mm-hmm. so get out of here with that yeah but how much energy does that take too right? yeah well yeah because then like uh like your boy uh lewis house talks about the mask of masculinity right you're wearing a Again, it's not necessarily masculinity, right? But a lot of us are wearing masks and pretending to be something that we're not. So in order to be accepted through a culture that we didn't ever participate or approve of. Yep. Let it go, man. Right? Yep. Um, so also about uh, forgiveness, uh, fear, and love. Because I know fear and love is a big theme. Obviously, love is a big theme with yours. You got all over your mug here, all over the art, um, all over... What do we call this one? I want to, I want to, because otherwise I just call this, you know, the black canvas with love all over it. Do you have a name for this style? It's gotten a few different names. I mean, it's more of an infinite is what I circle back around because love is infinite and love and darkness, right? Love shines in the dark. So black on black, obviously it's very elegant. It looks good. And one of my favorite colors to wear, but that piece in particular is just saying that it doesn't matter how dark it is that love still is there. So just so you guys know, we're looking at a, uh, you know, just you describe it because you have the language. Uh, so I paint in uh, usually bright, bright colors, but I also have a black on black series. And this is a black base coat and four or five different shades of black spray paint to write the word love. So it gives it a lot of different textures, 
shines differently in the light, however the light hits it. And again, it's, it's dark, but it's not. If you look at it, it's just like, okay. Yep. So that canvas, and we're looking at a, right now I have a, a little uh, circle canvas of it on, on the desk here, and you'll see it on the uh, podcast photos. But when I saw it, it like, everything stopped for me when I first saw it online. My urt, like, that's it. Because I always have like, for me, I, I can't, I, my drawing, I can barely do a stick figure human. Um, and like we were talking earlier, conversations and podcasts and writing and doing stuff on social media tends to be my art, not the actual drawing. I wish I could draw and sing, put those aside. If I had two wishes, that would be, it would be those are my first two. Yeah, put sing on my list too. Yeah, I wouldn't even, like, I don't want money. I don't want, I'd like to be able to draw and sing because I think those, through those, I would really have an avenue of expression that is kind of muted in me right now. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so I saw it and I was completely like stuck on it. And so one of my, uh, one of my interpretations of it is, um, again, you can't have light without darkness, right? Otherwise, so let's say you have this black canvas and let's just say it represents darkness and then you have love like bubbling up through it, bringing some light. Mm -hmm. And it's an infinite amount of love that is nonstop, keeps on coming. But if, if it was all love, then maybe the canvas would be all white, which is cool. Could mm -hmm. be cool art, you know, I don't know. But either way, there's a relationship there. You can't have one without the other. And so I could sit there and just completely stare at it. And I also like the, the um, duality of the darkness and the light. So I think one of my favorite pieces of art that I've ever seen. So thank you. Thank and it still you. resonates. So I'm gonna I keep I'm gonna keep coming back to that a bunch. But I want to talk about um so forgiveness and we talked about strength earlier. And we talked about relationships, kind of like that story that I mentioned. And kind of similar to this this uh painting here, and that is about the relationship of fear and love. And can you talk about that at all? And I'm I think you have a definition of fear. And what is that? The absence of love. Um, so I, I like to say that we either operate out of love or fear. And humans are meaning-making machines, right? So we can be happy or we could be joyous or boisterous or in jubilee or blissful. I mean, they all kind of mean the same thing. We like to just, I think, make up words. You know, there's, yep. I know a lot of my friends are very verbose and they like using these bigger words. But... The difference between love and fear is simple. There's love and then there's the absence of love. And when you operate out of fear, then you're looking at scarcity. You're looking at ego. You're looking at I'm unworthy, I'm not enough, I'm ugly, I'm fat. All these conversations that go through our head. When we look at love, we can answer those same things and like I am worthy, I am enough, I am made exactly how I'm supposed to be made, and I am abundant. So that's kind of the difference at the beginning, but let me walk you through this exercise. So do you remember the first time you went in for a kiss? Yes. What was the physical reaction your body went through prior to doing that? Hmm. Well, dang, looking back on it, it was probably, uh, maybe a dopamine dump mm -hmm. and fear-based. 
Okay, so goosebumps, sweaty palms, yeah. nerves, butterflies. Yep. Now, do you remember the first time you were maybe getting into a physical art altercation or you you were in this panic mode? What was your physical response to that? Oh, yeah. Elevated heart rate, um, increased respiratory rate, sweaty, probably the same stuff. Same exact thing. So we react the same toward love or fear. You know, it's just a matter of flight or fight, but it's the same reaction. Physically, our body reacts yeah. the same. Looking, looking at it, though, I wonder if that, that feeling that I was having prior to the first kiss, both of the, and, and fear-based, is still going to be a sympathetic nervous system response, right? Mm -hmm. So fight or flight. That's taking our definitions that taking words out yep. of it that's just saying what's your physical reaction to love and fear and then we of course like to just start getting all existential sometimes and yeah. fighting things yeah but looking at those two they are uh are really the the primal feelings mm -hmm. right that's it i mean i think everything is kind of based off of those those branches mm -hmm. and they don't operate at the same time no but that's not saying being in fear is wrong. Mm -mm. Like there's reasons for fear and being afraid and that's to protect ourselves and things like that. Or we learn from it. It's more let's not operate out of fear-based thought processes in the thought of inferiority or our insecurities or our ego and things there. All right. So I'm going to go a little deeper into this. And we talk, let's go, and, and it'll, it'll be strength-based. So earlier we talked about loving your enemies or loving your adversaries. But let's just say your significant other. So in, in my case and yours, our wife. They're not our enemy, right? They're not, our, well, sometimes depending on what's going on or our adversary. But either way, that's not, again, it's not about semantics, right? It's still having sometimes an opposition or something else like coming towards you with force. So we've all been in these moments and this is going to be a challenge. And I want you guys to stay with me here where somebody, let's just say my wife or, or your significant other has come to you and they're hurting and there's something that you did to create it or didn't do something you did and they have some sort of problem or whatever it is. Our initial reaction to that is to fight back, right? To defend the ego and to prove that you're right. So that right there, that whole that whole response is fear-based. Mm -hmm. And so we have this idea, we all have like this, our own self, our, our ideal self or our good self or the thing, that person that we think we are. We always have that. And, they, and that image is generally, for the most part, awesome and good and like perfect and never wrong. Yep. So you have that, let's just say ideal self. I'm in the, your ideal self that you think is real. So if somebody comes to you with something that is off base from that ideal self, you are naturally going to be inclined to defend because it hurts our ego. And so here's a challenge. Because to practice the relationship of love and fear and to practice 
strength, and again, we're talking about strength that is stronger than violence. When I said earlier during the Martin Luther King thing, I said that uh, violence isn't strong enough because all violence does is push back, creates more distance, and it makes the, uh, the response even more powerful. So here's, here's the ticket. Don't defend. Right? And, here's the, and this is the hard part. It's to really, really take a moment, a little, like maybe it could literally be a moment to come back, have some self-awareness, to self-regulate that automatic need to defend and fight back. Again, the person that you are fighting back against is your teammate. It's your wife, your husband. You, why would you fight them? It's a weird thing. And I understand it comes from a place of fear. So this is hard. Don't just hear them, but actually listen. And the other thing is, oh man, all right, here we go. So this person is coming to you, right? Now, they, they've already been injured, let's say, by something you might have done or didn't do. But either way, you've caused some type of injury to this person you've selected out of all of the other people in the world to be part of your team. So now you have an opportunity in that moment to be courageous and show strength. And that is to listen. So you don't want to injure them again by your response. So now you're making them a, a double victim and you're the bad guy. It's not about you. It's about we. So in those moments, in fact, on the poster, um, and the, and the people that listen to the show, you guys know, uh, I've talked about the definition of the Sisu way, the strength and determination in the face of adversity. So even that line, it's in that moment to have strength and determination in the face of your own internal adversity. So you're creating that moment. So what do you do? Be quiet and listen to what that person is saying because your teammate is bringing information to you in order to be, create a more loving and strong union. But holy smokes, that takes some courage. And that takes strength of heart and a lot of love to set yourself to come from that place of, of response. So in a way, that's like a, I don't know, like a hyper example of choosing fear or choosing love. And here's a big ticket. It's up to you, right? You're in control of that. 100%. Why is that so hard? Because it happens in a split second and we've been conditioned our entire life to defend if we've, you know, I suffer from that all the time. I'm a big defender. So it's, it, I think it's creating a habit of like, hold on, let me take a moment. Let me take a beat, process, instead of just reacting automatically. Yeah, maybe that's it. Take a moment. Be mindful of your breath. In fact, go right to your breath because it'll help center yourself. And you're centering yourself to avoid the reaction and coming from a place of fear. So you're regulating yourself. Because ultimately, showing love in that moment and providing that person uh, validation and love, it doesn't necessarily have to be right. Because again, it's not about being right. It's about understanding in a relationship and mm -hmm. growing and being in a place of love. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. That's, that, that, that reaction. So 
like the relationship between love and fear right there is where I've talked a lot about on the show is where our own mental battlefield is. That's the greatest battle you feel is in those moments of what direction you're going to go. And a lot of times you're going to go the other direction and you're going to go the other direction really hard. And that's okay because not, not everyone can be perfect. Mm-hmm. But eventually you're going to self-regulate and, and it's a practice, right? No, it's eternal <laughs> practice. Here, the thing is, the more you practice, the sooner you can catch it, the sooner you can shift, the sooner you can act accordingly. And as long as you're in practice, you're going to continue to move forward because we're humans. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to fall into our old patterns and ways. And depending on how old you are, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of years of doing the same thing. So don't beat yourself up. Just acknowledge that. Oh, wait, I'm in my fear space right now. Yep. I also think that even if you feel that person is quote unquote wrong, that's okay because they're still providing information for something you shouldn't do in the future. Yeah. That's now next level awareness though, Mm -hmm. right? You're like, okay, they're wrong, but I still need to process this, take this in. Yeah. But that accordingly. Yeah. But that's what I mean by, so they're coming with you that something's already happened and that's how they've perceived it. But then in that exact moment, how you react is going to affect them as well. So if you don't want to be like double hate, if they're bringing hate or fear, answer with love, regardless. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to help and heal uh, both parties. And then those two parties are going to expand and go talk to other people and spread some more love. Because again and again, you go back to the biological level. If you do those moments correctly, you're going to have a release of hormones that are going to affect your relationship with not just that person, but everyone else around you. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down to like, you know, I, I know you, you, you do uh, online and, and social media, um, you know, what is love? And I think that's for a lot of people really hard to, in fact, right now you can ask yourself people, what is love? How would you define it? I'm not going to mess up your own that definition for everyone, mm-hmm. but in a way, it's for me. It's kind of like this. This um, I don't know. It's almost like this biological bribery to be connected. It's like this. It's a neurological thing because at the end, you can measure it. For the most part, you show someone like, if you hook me up with a bunch of electrodes and you're measuring my hormones and my heart rate. And you showed me like, well, I don't know how close it would be. You showed me a spider, like a big old nasty hairy spider <laughs> versus like a nice warm made home cookie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have some loving feelings for that nice warm homemade cookie. Yeah. But either way, uh, that's a good exercise. And why I think it's really important and why I really appreciate the work that you do as it relates to love. Because I think it's a lot more powerful than people maybe even realize. Um, so speaking of love and you travel a whole lot and, and a lot of really cool places in the world, I'm kind of curious about like, what does love and gratitude look like in different parts of the world? Like what's, what's similar and what's different? 
what I've learned through traveling and seeing different things, it's very close. It's very similar. But what blows me away every single time is the fact that I've gone to some places where people have so little, like so, so little compared to what we have here at home. Yet they'll give you their last piece of bread. And that is everything for them. They have so much pride in that. They have so much love in that. They have so much gratitude in that. There's this different way and sense around that that I've started to realize. And the pride people take in what they do and in their actions is a way that they're showing their gratitude and showing their love. Where I can only compare from where I come from. And it's just powerful. I think people need to travel. They have to see this. They have to experience it. There's, there's no real way to put it into words than to just look at people that have nothing and they'll give you everything. Yeah, we have this weird relationship with stuff. Stuff. Yeah, I'm anti-stuff. I have stuff, but I try to have yeah. less stuff. And I learned that when I lost everything and yeah. like, oh, wait, there were a lot of things that were important to me that defined me, but I'm like, I don't need that to define me. I don't, I wear nothing on my t-shirts. You know, I don't want logos and brands. I don't, if it looks good and fits good, I'm happy with it. No, I think we're matching. Yeah, we're, we're pretty much <laughs> are. The, and I've talked about, I've talked offline with people about this as well, is to practice that relationship with stuff and gratitude and other people. And, a, uh, a way to actually do that. So picture <clears throat> like um, it doesn't even have to be Christmas or a birthday or bachelor party or whatever it is. If you have a generous impulse, follow that. Don't stifle it. Mm-hmm. Go with it. And one way to really do something powerful is to give somebody something that is important to you or you think is important to you. And so it's easy to go buy something and give it to someone. It's easy to jump on Amazon and do something, but it's different to create or to give something away to somebody. For example, like, I don't know, the stuff behind me, that's a stuff, right? But if you went over there and you really were into something, there's probably a strong chance I'm going to give it to you. Not only because it's important to you, but also because it's important to me and I have a personal attachment to it and now I'm giving that to you. So that's a challenge for you guys is, is to give away something that's important to you. It's a, it's a tremendous, there's a gift there and the gift isn't the actual thing, it's the actual act of doing the thing. Yeah, the act of it, exactly. You're releasing something and surrendering it that you find value and attachment mm-hmm. to giving it to someone else so that they can now carry that forward. Yep. And if that's a problem, if you have a hard time doing it, then you should think about your relationship to it. And what does that say about you? And then what does that say about what you value? I don't know. If you guys do this, here's the thing. If you guys end up doing this, um, and I hope you do, it doesn't have to be something massive, but it could be something small. Um, Hit me up. Like shoot me a direct message, email me, scottdmcgee at gmail. I want to hear about that story. And then I'm going to share it with Ruben. 
So gratitude and the small things. Where did you just come back from? Thailand, Singapore, and Vietnam. Are you going to be moving permanently to any of those places? <laughs> if it's up to Z, we're moving to Vietnam ASAP. Um, but no, not yet. Is it hard to come back to L.A.? Yes and no. I'm born and raised in L.A. This is everything I know. It's my home. So it's a little bit different than maybe people like my wife moved here yeah. when she was 18. But uh, yes, it's hard coming back. But at the same time, it isn't because you, you do get homesick. And mm. I want to go back into my routines of training. And I got to get back to work. And I get back to painting. But at the same time, I'm going to book another trip. And I'm going to go experience another place and another time and you know you have that power also yep i remember you wrote something about um like being lost at home but it being at home when you're lost that one hit me That's yeah so when i travel when we i mean luckily i have the most amazing partner to travel with we don't have an agenda. Like we want to get in as many sites and culture and things and we taste all the food, but we literally, we booked our flight to Bangkok and we knew we were going to be there for New Year's and the rest of the trip, we kind of knew we were going to Vietnam. We had an audible and we ended up in Singapore in between because of a storm that kind of chased us off Thailand's islands. And we get up in the morning train real quick, eat something, and just go. And we'll hit 9, 10, 11 miles a day of just walking and exploring the city. And I don't feel lost. I'm in a completely strange country. Don't speak the language. Yes, they speak a lot of English, but still, never experienced a lot of this food. But I just feel like that's, that's part of the human experience and life. Whereas sometimes I'm home and you're kind of in your routine and you're just lost because you're like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? What am I doing today? Have I done enough? Um, and you have those questions that start hitting you because then you're kind of at home in your comfort zone and you're a little bit lost in maybe what that day-to-day -day looks like. Yeah, yep. I think sometimes though that, uh, you know, that being lost part I kind of feel like I could be wrong here, but I think we all have a sense of that, of, of being, especially if you live in the city, of being lost. Sometimes I feel like that little, whatever that feeling is, is gone when I'm like in the woods or in nature. I don't know, I think there's something to that or mm -hmm. somewhere in the mountains. Whatever that little feeling is, is kind of gone. Uh, and sometimes that's one of the things I don't like about LA and one of the things I really like about LA. First of all, there's not many of us that are like from here. Yeah. True. You know, like what you actually you're like like grew up here and you, you I'm like, yeah, this is like welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming and visiting. Like mm -hmm. you just moved here six years ago. Yeah, okay. You know it's because it's always funny. People are like, Oh, LA, blame LA, blame I'm like, ask the person that you're mad at or blaming where they came from. And then when certain people say, yeah, I'm born and raised, you're like, oh, yeah. And then I invite them to my group of born and raised locals also like, oh, you guys are different. I'm like, yeah, that's L.A. Yeah, yeah. 
So you're bringing your outside fear-based influence here. Get out of here. Yeah. And bring take your traffic. Yep. Um, so speaking of L.A. and some of the things I don't like about it, there's also a lot of visual things I do like about it. And one of the things I think is kind of funny is for a long time, I've been kind of cruising around and there are certain moments that hit me and make me stop and still do it. And some of those moments that have hit me and made me stop in my tracks or legitimately stop my car and park um, were works of art that we, from you. That I didn't, I didn't realize for a long time until somehow or another, I put two and two together. Uh, and if you guys don't know, uh, Ruben and I both like back in the day, you know, there's like that, that 2008, 2012 era of CrossFit where we were both competitive in the LA scene. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, like, if you crossed it before 2010 in L.A., you kind of all knew each other, especially if you were competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start? 2008? 2008. 2008. All right. I think I was around 2006. Right before or during, like, when 300 came out. That's that's what led me to it. right. I yeah. think I think okay. So, so we're so we're part of that generation. Yeah. We're like, oh my god, this is the best movie ever. What do they do? Yeah. And then, uh, do you do the three hundred workout? I've done it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of hard when you're holding the barbell up and you're doing the windshield wipers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually might do that workout again soon. Um, but so, um, that's where that connection came from, and known about each other for several years, and. Then I felt connected through your art. And this is something we've we talked about offline. And that is, I don't look at you. That's why I said soul artist in the beginning of the show. Of someone that just does murals, right? You don't just go, that's one of the things you do. But really, it's a tactic to reach someone's soul. So in a way, you're sitting there and you might be painting on on you know a cinder block wall, but you might as well be reaching inside my rib cage and painting right on my heart. Mm. So there's a metaphor there, and it's also pretty fascinating to me because the amount of people that you can reach that they're that they, someone might be in the worst day of their life or whatever people do when they're cruising around, um, but for the most part they're not going to look at your art and have a bad feeling. In fact, that might be the best feeling they have all day mm-hmm. or a little reminder. And so I, I really want to recognize that and say, um, thank you for reaching out and, and utilizing your skill and making that into something powerful for others. So that's what I mean. It's not about the mural, right? It's about the way you're making other people feel. Now, at the same time, let's look at the flip side of it. What is it doing for you? Right? There's a creative side to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a component of it, of an art where you're creating something. You're choosing, say, choosing the words or the style or the font or the colors. Or bear with me if I'm not using the right words there. Font, is that the right word? Am I looking at font? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But either way, you're looking at that. And you get to choose it. So there's a process there that is rewarding for you. And I want to learn about that process. So how does that start? Like where does that little where does that first spark come from? 
I've got this running list of things that I want to paint. And basically, I'm talking to myself. So I want to put something up because I need that message or reminder. And it's a note, kind of like a sticky note on your mirror telling yourself you're enough. Um, if people practice that. But uh, sometimes I just need to hear this. And we're all mirrors to each other. So if I'm a mirror to you and I need to see this, then I know it may impact someone else. Not necessarily the same way, but it'll do something to maybe inspire them to change that in that moment, in that day, in what they're doing. Maybe they need it. Um, I did a talk uh, and I spoke about different reactions that I've seen where I wake up on social media and people have gotten very vulnerable and they share incredible stories with what the arts created. But at the same time, when I put it up there, I'm also just being very vulnerable because one of the things you can do is when you give away your art or put your art out there, you're doing it for you. And then sometimes that little ego fear base kicks in like, oh, is anyone going to like this? Uh, how's it going to, how are people going to react to it? Even though that wasn't the first intention of why I put it out there. Mm -hmm. But that sometimes happens. But yeah, I put up You Belong Here, and that one specifically was me talking to myself. I'm like, I'm an artist now. I've always been, but now I'm really claiming it and owning it. And I'm just telling myself that I belong in the space, and what I'm doing is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I know for a fact that some people have reached out via social media, and they're like, thank you. Like, I was thinking that my life's not important, and I don't belong here, and that piece of art really impacted me. So that's one example of like how that yep. was for me, but then was a mirror for somebody else. And then I use color because the world is beige and boring and uh, most of the walls around us are ugly. And if we put the pop of color, it's going to grab your eyes, right? Like a parrot with rings, keys, shiny object syndrome. Mm -hmm. So that pop of color is going to grab your attention. You might have driven by the mural a hundred times and never realized it. And one day you sneeze and look up and you're like, whoa. And, and then it hits you when you need it. Well, that's part of the, the another reason um, I said see love as a title. Because I hope to be able to open people's hearts and eyes so they can actually see the murals. But then again, it's not just the murals that I want people to see. I want people to notice the trees. Mm -hmm. I want people to notice the the flowers. Look at your commute and tell me what colors you see. Because I think most people, if they were to close their eyes right now, they couldn't actually see the color of their street or the not just the actual street, but just the overall color. Like if there was a painting, what would be like the main colors that the, that the artist would pick? Um, or even the birds and the animals. Uh, the way the leaves like flow and fall. I mean, there's so much beauty out there that I hope people understand that they can see that stuff and see it in the most humble places. Mm -hmm. Because once you have that vision, you become super powerful and that's where gratitude grows. And so one of the things I, I really like about, for example, gratitude is a big theme on some of your art. There is, at least in Santa Monica, you have begin with gratitude. And then there's a large, even bigger one of just gratitude. And I love the fact that there's actually flowers there and the colors. Because at least to me, this is, again, my interpretation of it and perception. And there is that relationship between intention 
So you, you are doing, doing something for you and you have your own intentions. But that is completely separate from what other people's perceptions are. And other people's perceptions can be totally different. Which I think is one of the really cool things that fascinates me about art. Because you can put up a painting and people can have a conversation and be coming from totally different places. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I'm really hoping to come to your show on February 13th. Yeah. I want to plug it now. before I'm gonna, I'll plug it again at the end, but on February 13th in L.A. It's on my birthday, too. Well, happy early birthday. Thank well, you. we got some time. Yeah. But um, if anybody wants to go check that out, where can they get the info for that? Uh, Eventbrite, discoverla.com. On my Instagram, it'll be on there. Right. On Facebook, the, the link will be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it to you. Cool. You put it out there. And it'll be in the, the show notes at thecsuway.com. Get If you're in LA, uh, um, I think after listening to this episode, hopefully you're going to want to go check it out. At least come say hi. Yeah. So that intention, right? And other people's perceptions. Have you had any negative perceptions? Oh, of course. I mean, I think once you start getting negative stuff, it's good. It means you're making an impact and you're really doing something. But yeah, sometimes, I mean, how, they're like, how are you so positive? Like, why do you keep writing these kinds of things? Like, what, what's, you know, uh, stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of that. I'm like, why does the why matter? You know, art's very subjective, whether you like it or don't like it. I'm not doing it for that reason. And I use typography and I use words with the color. It's very intentional. At least I can kickstart you in the direction of what I'm thinking. But, you know, to me, sometimes gratitude is waking up in the morning or having the opportunity to sit in traffic for an hour. I hate sitting in traffic, but I know where I'm going is cool. Yesterday it took me an hour and a half to go to LA zoo because I was going to paint with some elephants which was a really cool experience, but that 90-minute drive there, I was like, I'm in the car mm-hmm. for 90 minutes. What do I do while I'm driving for 90 minutes, right? And I'm excited about that, by the way. Those 90 minutes, that's such a good opportunity to listen to a book on tape, yeah. listen to some podcasts. For me, that's my time. Mm-hmm. But and, it's having the gratitude that you know what that you're going to be able to do that to go do that thing you're going to. Yeah, yep. That, again, another example. So, yeah, I mean, there's always haters. I mean, it's, it's part of life. And hopefully it's because you got to penetrate something inside them and maybe they'll continue a conversation and maybe they'll, they'll see what it is that you're trying to do. By the way, I'm not going to let you just roll past painting with elephants, all right? <laughs> I want, like, so what do you, you, you have a canvas and like, you're like, hey, elephant, can you hold this, this brush? Yeah, they're holding the brush and we're moving around. So this was part of uh, last year I participated in the Beastly Ball for the LA Zoo. We painted two murals inside of it and then I donated a piece of work that... So here's vulnerability. And, you know, I woke up that morning and I asked my wife, hey, do you think, you know, this piece is really going to raise that much money for the zoo? Like, well, maybe a couple thousand. Like, this is me and my insecurities talking. She's like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. By the end of the night, the piece sold for forty thousand dollars. Wow! Like I had, I'm like, I was in shock. I'm still in shock that that happened, and none of that went to me. It all went to the zoo. But that right there is a perfect example of the impact of art and what you can do and what you can create. But then the winners of that also, they tied it in with a elephant paint experience, and we had a nice evening at the zoo. We all painted canvases, and then I helped co-create 
with an elephant. The pieces will be at the show. And um, Tina and Jewel are the two ladies that helped me out. And I painted a black canvas, but black gloves. And I had them do their thing in white. And then we went back and forth in a black and white kind of final piece. Yeah. And yeah, we put the paintbrush in their trunk, tell them to paint. They kind of hit the paint. That is awesome. I hit some water. They turn it back. I'm like, go to this corner. The trainers are mostly handling everything, but I'm like, let's get it over here in this corner. And then that came back and dried. Then I did my thing on top of it again. And that was a complete painting with an elephant's experience. Dude, how does that come up? Like, where does that idea even come from? I don't know. It just <laughs> happened. It's, this is, you know, I like, I say yes to a lot of things. Yeah. It just ended up with this really cool thing. Yeah. I painted a mural in Paris. I painted a mural in a prison um, on the theme of forgiveness and forgive. I just keep saying yes. And then and, and if you keep saying yes and you're, you're tapped into that, that part of the universe, the energy, whatever you believe in, your forward momentum, of course there's things in the way and obstacles and things I had to get past, but the universe provides, mm-hmm. you know, God guides you, love, like love guides you, you know, any of these beliefs that you believe in, all those things are moving you forward. Yep. And I believe that's, that's why that thing happened. And then I got to, do this really cool thing. Yeah, man. The, I believe the universe wants you to succeed. Wholeheartedly. But that's also a personal choice. 100%. The Tell me about the prison project. So my neighbor um, last year said, hey, do you want to come? I do this cool thing with the prison. There's this program I'm involved in. You know, you're an artist. Would you like to just come and talk to them and hang out and see the program? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we set up a day out in Lancaster Prison, and I spent the whole day there. I got to sit with all these inmates, see their dog program. So, so that organization brings dogs from kill shelters or abused fighting dogs, things like that. And then they use the inmates, and they co-rehabilitate each other. And it's just a beautiful program, mm-hmm. and, and it gives them purpose, gives the dogs purpose. And I was able to see all of that, and then I got a tour of the the prison i saw their art program and there's giant beige walls and I'm, i just kind of threw it out there like dude it'd be kind of cool to paint a mural here right and someone heard and my neighbor again then calls me hey they said you could paint a mural here he's like do you want to i'm like yeah let's do it so like four or five months later um got all the filming permits we filmed everything Got all the permissions. We went in one day and painted a mural on, I forgot if it's A block or on the building that yep. they're in. It's a huge beige building in the middle of the yard. All the inmates were out. They helped me paint. So they physically got to paint with me. And the word says forgive. And it's kind of rounded out. And then the G is big so that you could know that to forgive, you're giving of yourself also. But it casts a shadow and the shadow says forgiven. So the whole purpose of it is self-forgiveness. So when you forgive, but forgive yourself, then you're forgiven. And the thought process of how the intention came about all of this is I'm talking to these guys. We, we got really deep in some of the conversations with them. And I'm looking at both sides, the inmate side and the, let's call it the victim side, the, the survivors of whoever they hurt. These are all people that have murdered people. So that's what they're in there for. 
And a lot of them were talking about like, I don't need their forgiveness. I had to go through the process of forgiving myself and now I'm okay where I'm at. But think about it. If you could forgive yourself and you start putting that space out there and maybe the survivors of the victim then forgive themselves because I'm sure they have guilt Mm -hmm. and pain of like, why did my daughter, my son, how'd they end up in that position? And then they forgive themselves for that. Maybe they can then come together and forgive each other. So both sides have to do self-forgiveness. And that's to pull a line from that sermon. If you lack the power of forgiveness, you lack the power of love. Yeah. And then again, that, that hate or that fear is still darkness and you can't use that to drive out darkness. Mm-hmm. So that for give and the forgiven, you know, I, I can't even tell you how long I stared at that. Cause then again, you know, a lot of the stuff with me, especially let's go, you talk about the prison stuff and the inmates. I'm looking at that through my own lens of being a good man, being a father, just being overall trying to be a good person, right? Whether that is actually true or that's just my own ideal self that we talked about earlier, but then also looking at it through the lens of law enforcement and the, you know, a profession that puts people there. Mm-hmm. Again, not necessarily our choice. Generally, it's based on other people's behavior, other people's behaviors, or, or their own choice. And if they chose to do something, we tend to be the consequence of that choice, which ends up putting them there. So it's not necessarily law enforcement's fault, even though I think sometimes law enforcement takes a fault for that for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are some cases that that person didn't do anything circumstantial but those are outliers but either way looking at it and through this study of love um my own personal journey in relationship with martin luther king and a bunch of other types of philosophy and this project and even admiring uh your project as well it helps recalibrate a person because i think we all start off on a place of love you know, you don't start off angry and having hate and judging people and fear. And, uh, and to prove my point, look at kids, especially kids that are in a safe place, right? They grew up in a safe env- or in a safe environment. They're not already in survival mode. And if you look how they're behaving, it's generally happy and from a place of love. And then as mm-hmm. we grow up, we learn fear. And then most of us will tend to adopt that as our main housing system mm-hmm. i operate from fear and every now and then i might dabble in love but and so to be able to get out of it and so even within my career was in fear-based a little bit you know and, and i forgot to see the good in people to have forgiveness and then realize I'm, you know the, the profession isn't about punishing people it's really about helping people and rehabilitating people in fact if there's days where there's no arrest, that's awesome. Like, maybe we just got to go out and go have coffee and say hi to people, walk around, maybe hang out, and not do anything. That'd be awesome. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's an ideal. But to look at it and then have the relationship. So that's when I hit you up, man, because I was like, I just wanted to go. I wanted to be there. Because it's like different, different sides of the same coin of trying to, trying to find forgiveness 
and uh, through a path of love and, and service. So I'm really impressed by that project. And I wanted to, to really, really, um, hopefully you understand. And hopefully my in- intention is being perceived in the way that I wanted to in my head. So, and I hope those guys also, um, I wish more of them could find that place. But I also understand that those guys, a lot of them were the kids that grew up in an unsafe environment. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot to be said in the environment you're coming from. And back to strength and back to choice. Mm-hmm. What I've seen in my travels are different. I mean, sometimes you think you don't have a choice and your only choice is going down that same railroad track that your siblings, friends, and neighborhood has gone down to, right? Your older brother's a gangster. I'm going to become a gangster. Sometimes that older brother's like, I don't want you in my path. And they're going to force you to choose another path because they know it wasn't the right path. But that was the choice that they thought they had. And that's going to help you in the right direction. Or sometimes there's someone that's just like, I'm not going that way. I'm going to be the first one in my family to go to college, move out of here and move on. But yeah, I mean, where we come from, I mean, I'm very, very thankful and grateful for being born where I'm born, being born what I am and growing up where I was. So yeah, and at a time where social media is a thing, yeah, because had you been like started to say thirty years ago, I don't know if we. Uh, well, you know, who knows? You can't say you can't. We can't go back in time and think or use our imagination. But just be grateful that we have the now. Also, to understand, I also want to point out, like, I'm not necessarily blaming someone's childhood for their present decisions. Is it a factor? Yes. But just like if your dad was mean to you as a kid, doesn't mean you doesn't really mean do you need to be that way now. Yeah. Well, it's again, the purpose of this example yeah. is you have choices mm-hmm. whether you see them or don't see them and hopefully you come to that fork in the road where you know that you can make that choice. And if if you learn that at 18, 20, 65, or 70, yep. as long as you know you have a choice. And sometimes yep. we just don't think we have a choice. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's part of why I have this show and why I always say strength is a choice. And again, to go back, the strength isn't violence. Because again, that violence and, that, and the wanting to defend isn't strong enough. I'm saying be stronger than that. And that's where it comes from in love, and that is a choice. It's also different, though. Sometimes you do need physical resistance, and you do need to choose strength. Like if we loaded up this sled over here, and we're going to go push it, loving the heck out of that sled ain't going to move it, right? You got to put in the work. Yeah. But I also had this idea of, and I haven't ironed this out yet, so bear with me. But let's just say, let's take the, the idea of force and you're pushing something. So let's just say you're, you're, you have that sled, it's an external thing, and you're creating from the inside out force. And to create that force, you have to be pushing off something. And generally, that's the ground. But let's just say it could be a wall, I could be pushing off a wall. Either way, you're generating force, and you're creating um, movement from something else. And I think... I have this idea of whatever that force is, whatever that thing that you're pushing off of, that's your why. And the stronger your why, the more 
force you are able to apply as external load increases. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I like that. So I haven't, I haven't, I'm glad that came out the way it did because I have, I've been bouncing around this idea for a while. Because if you're without a why, you're not, I don't know, just think about like a, you take like a CrossFit workout. Most of us have that internal battle or, or something going on in your head that you're pulling some motivation from. It could be to look good. It could be you got a competition coming up. It could be that you lost your dad when you were a kid and you're, you're fighting back to find your place in the world. It could be you want to be a strong dad. I don't know. Whatever that why is. Do you have a clear why on, on like your, your, your trajectory? And I'm saying not just murals, right? You have a whole, I mean, you're multi-talented in a lot of facets in life. But what is the why? I mean, if I, it always it's, sounds cheesy when you say it this way, because then you look at all these other podcasts and things and people say the same thing, but it's to create the most impact I can create in humanity. A grandiose way of saying it is, look, I'm on a world peace mission. We say it, Beautify Earth's on a world peace mission. And that doesn't mean we're trying to actually create world peace and solve it. But anytime you can create a ripple in the right direction with good energy and good intentions and love and moving it forward, that can hit somebody else. That can hit somebody else. And maybe it hits the right person that does create world peace or it just spreads across all of humanity and you've got world peace. So the why is more it's moving the pendulum in that direction. And if I can keep helping it in every facet of what I'm doing, then I'm feeding my why. And I realized that also, you know, in, in college, I was a personal trainer. Then when I was doing real estate and then when I was doing financial planning and all that was always people were the common denominator of how I was helping people. And a lot of time I ended up with counseling. It wasn't about just the personal training. We were talking about relationships. Mm -hmm. We were talking about um, all their problems and all their issues. And it's just like everything's always been about people. So, so my why is that? that that's... That's it. That, like, there's no other higher calling, right, than service to others. And you have a strong service to others. And it, the, I think part of the beauty of it is, is that you are creating service to others in a way that they might not even realize. Some people realize it. Like, I might really realize it. Mm -hmm. But it might have been affecting me in a positive way for a long time. And I didn't, I didn't realize it. And so you talk about those ripple effects, man. They're powerful. And I, I really feel strongly in if you have a gigantic mountain full of rocks that you got to move, like world peace, there's only one way to do it, right? It's not by yourself. Yep. It's not by yourself, nor is it all those rocks at one time. Mm -hmm. You, you got to start with one. And start moving it. But every now and then you might move one rock that makes a whole bunch move. But it's about the consistency and to keep going back and to be gritty and persistent and nonstop and keep fighting against that rock. And sometimes those rocks grow back. But so what? That's outside of your control. Mm -hmm. What you are, you are just keep chipping away. Take out your little hammer, your little sword, and keep chipping away at the, all those little rocks, those little pebbles. Chip away, chisel, chisel, chisel. Man, there's nothing more powerful than 
Again, service to others, especially through, through the path of love. It's different to be service for others, but really interested in money and other things. So beautify earth. We mentioned that, but can you just tell our listeners, I know all about it, but can you tell our listeners about it? Cause I want them to understand. And also because I think through the understanding that they might be able to help out and get on board with supporting it. So beautify earth is a movement We're we're a nonprofit started. We're going to hit our five year mark, which is pretty cool. We have, it's like, where did the five years go? Mm-hmm. Easiest way to say it, because we have other ways of defining it, is we're trying to end ugly wall syndrome. It's a thing. It's a disease. You'll start noticing, maybe after you hear this, next time on your commute, look at how many walls are seven different colors of beige because they're just trying to do vandalism cleanup and they don't match it perfectly and the sun weathers it. And you just start seeing this consistent pattern of multi-beige walls or multi-gray walls. Um, or faded walls or this and that. But at the end of the day, what we want to do is put up art on walls because walls are one of the biggest canvases of the world and artists have an opportunity to share their gifts and their inspirations. And why not paint every wall in color? And it doesn't mean it... There's all kinds of art, right? So it could Mm -hmm. be anything. It could be what I do. It could be what all these other artists around the world does. It doesn't matter. But we're trying to make it so that you know ugly walls aren't the norm. And then walls are what? They're to protect us, lock the door, sleep good at night, keep people out. A lot of times they're very um, imposing, right? So how do you make a wall also inclusive? Maybe by painting a nice message on it, making it more of a staple of the community instead of having a bunch of ugly walls. Yeah. It's instead of a divider, you can make a uni- uniter. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. So one of the things, like you mentioned, you mentioned that, but I'm already like a few steps ahead where the point I'm, I'm driving around now looking at walls and more locations for some beautiful art. Mm-hmm. Then again, it's also not to go a little bit step further. There's beautiful locations to make other people feel good. A whole bunch, man. Yeah. Mm. So a good way for everyone to help is find some walls. Do you know some business owners that have ugly walls do you know real estate developers do you know anyone hey check these guys out they'll do murals um and then we fund them via our donors via members they sign up 10 bucks a month recurring that goes toward paint everything that we're doing corporate sponsors sometimes other partners sometimes the city sometimes so we always figure out a way um but we're literally operating out of pure passion there's no all the money goes toward murals like none of us take anything for salary or anything like that maybe one day we'll be big enough to do Mm -hmm. that but for the moment we've been doing this for five years out of just pure passion of making sure that the world is a happier prettier more colorful place now to see some of some of the murals um you can go to uh, rubenrojas.com r-u-b-e-n R-O-J-A-S. All these, all this stuff that I'm going to tell you right now are going to be in the show notes and through social media. Um, you can also see, if you go to the Sisu Way Instagram, um, made a little video uh, two nights ago. Uh, Paul and I went out and we went out late at night and in the rain to go check out a bunch of Ruben's artwork in Santa Monica. Didn't necessarily go to all of them in L.A., but I went to the ones in Santa Monica because of 
those are the ones that I see on a daily basis and have the most impact on me in uniform. Like while I'm wearing a ballistic vest and heavily armed, I'm sitting there staring at love and gratitude and all these beautiful works that you're doing. And it's kind of the, the ironies there. So those, and also more, uh, more pictures and videos will be up to, to relate the words to a visual stimulus for you guys. So a couple of the other ones, there is one, uh, begin with gratitude. This is one of the earlier ones that like, I always like, it would always stop my car. So cruising around black and white have, you know, lights and sirens on their spotlight, checking to see if anyone's breaking into cars or doing their thing, whatever. And then it always stopped me and I would point it out to people and it always, most of the time I kind of keep it to myself. Even if I had a partner, I'd look at it and just, it would resonate with me, but I wouldn't, that was it. I just kind of keep on going, but then I took it with me. So that taking it with me thing is important. Um, so that's one of my favorites. You also have the, the big gratitude one, which I'm a big fan of. And I think it's in a great spot because it's right there on Santa Monica Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Although I know a lot of people will miss it, but hopefully at least the people that are listening to this, we can open their eyes so they can see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes they're hidden and sometimes they're in little humble spots, but you got to look for them. Stop looking at the Viagra poster and look at the gratitude mural. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you also have, this one's outside of Santa Monica. This one's at uh, Sentinella and Palms, and that is Be Humble. So just, you know, I made like just a little Instagram story. I took a little video of it, threw it up there, and I got requests for people for me to send that to them, like across the world. And so I emailed some people that. Mm. So I'm excited for them to be able to see and hopefully um, get some more followers and paying attention to that. Um, Another really, really cool one, and I love the concept of this, and I want you to, to, to talk about your intention behind it. And this is one of the, I think it's one of the older ones, and that's that cardio bear and who we will be. And can you describe that? So that was the first mural I painted. That's a strong one to start with. So that one was what kicked off everything now we're what 70 plus murals deep um top left corner says who will you be and the whole intention behind this mural was me talking to myself and you know there's days that i wake up depressed uh, unworthy fat ugly not wanting to get out of bread all these things that go through our heads it's completely normal it's part of being human and a lot of the energy is about giving and receiving so there's a silhouette in the middle of the design. That's actually my silhouette with my arms up. And that's me receiving all these other words. And there's an actual little red outlined heart amongst all that. That's kind of very subtle that sometimes people miss. And all these words are united. Gratitude, grateful, love, leadership, worthy, responsibility, passion. So we choose to be a leader. We choose to be grateful. We choose to be responsible. We choose to be passionate, joyful, free. And, and the words on there were just a reminder. That's a lot of hand-painted words. Um, we did it with a team, so I'd help with it, obviously. But um, it's important to realize that we can choose those. We choose who we are. And then a little thought in my head whenever I was painting this, across the street, there's a Starbucks. 
And I'm like, okay, there's this poor little barista that wakes up at 4, 4.30 in the morning to get your coffee ready for you who gets up at 5 to get coffee to go commute to work. And maybe you're miserable that morning and you give this guy this energy that they don't deserve because they're just giving you your coffee. And then that energy just reciprocates all day long and that it ripples. And then he gets a whole bunch of nasty energy. And then maybe by mid shift, he's just, or she's just angry and like, doesn't have a happy smile anymore because they took on all this energy. So my, my whole thing in my head is like, well, what if you see this go into that Starbucks and you know, today I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be grateful for this guy or gal that got me the coffee early in the morning and I'm going to continue that energy. And maybe that person stays super happy. And then this is a ripple effect of good energy. Cause I think sometimes energy is contagious, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that kind of shifts to give people more good energy. So that was kind of the whole thought process behind that mural. I went out, obviously, uh, and I'm looking at a photo right now of me standing and in, in coordinating my shadow to match up with your shadow. So you can kind of, mm-hmm. and the being guy too. So we're all, you know, the, the meaning that, 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 that we're different, but we're also the same, mm-hmm. right? We're all connected. Uh, that we all go through hardships. We're all churning inside. We're all, we all have a battle going on. You know that that's unique to our experience, but that struggle is universal, and the choice to be who we want to be is also universal. Yeah. And so looking at this, man, it's it's hard for me, and I'm I'm not even going to ask you because it's already hard for me to pick my favorite. So I'm not even going to bother because people have asked me if what's my favorite episode. And I'm like, eh, that's not fair. Because they, they all have, they all come from, a, they're all a certain type of creation that comes and you do your best at that one in the moment. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I might have like a, one that hits me a little bit differently. But this one, not that I have favorites, but it's certainly up there. And lucky for me, I get to see it all the time. Mm. And in fact, some some of my favorite times to look at this stuff is really late at night and under the, the street light or even under my spotlight or the moonlight when everyone's, no one's there. Mm-hmm. There's no cars blocking it. There's not noise. There's just not people honking in traffic. You know, the screeching and the arguing. It's just quiet and the art. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on here. Luckily, the rain stopped for a second so we could bang out these photos. But kind of cool because it leaves like some pretty cool um, reflections in the water, which is something yeah. else I started picking up on. So... That's another thing, man, is like sitting there and really admiring some of your work has made me admire puddles. So the, you talked about a ripple effect and it starts to look for appreciation and beauty in, in puddles. Like how? How can you make a cool photo, photo with a puddle? Mm-hmm. Reflections. Right? Yeah. Mirrors again. Yeah. So another cool story with that first mural. One night I was there late at night because I painted this while, you know, I was a full-time financial advisor so I could only paint late at night and this guy walked by and he was just staring and looking and like in a daze and then I looked and I said hey how you doing and he starts opening up about this story he's an alcoholic he was drunk he was walking home from one of the pubs I don't know which one he was at but something he said with this mural which later it didn't really hit me until I started 
seeing a purpose with what was happening. You know, when I painted this mural to where what I'm doing now, I didn't realize there was this mission or intention or yep. cohesion around it that kind of just happened. Um, but he talked about his alcoholism and his problem and how it, you know, it destroyed his family and now he's alone. And yes, he still drinks and he still has that issue. But he looked to the wall and the one thing he said is like, wow, if I would have seen this 20 years ago, I may be a completely different man right now. And that will never leave me. I won't forget that. I'm like, wow, this, that was very powerful. Mm -hmm. Like if I would have seen this 20 years ago, I may completely be a different man. It's because that mural and along with a lot of other, other murals, it's, it's inviting you to make the choice. So it makes it a little bit easier to realize you have a choice. And he's like, I could choose, he could have chosen to be all of this. And this is something that, something else that makes me love the, like the faults, right? Because none of us are perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Like even like, I'm nowhere near exactly what I say on this podcast, nor am I anywhere like near what I write about. Again, a lot of times that's my ideal self that I'm striving for. But I keep going and I keep striving. And it's through that those weaknesses that you find your strengths. Mm -hmm. And so having faults and then still showing this stuff sends, a, a, I think, a more beautiful message as opposed to, oh, Mr. Perfect wrote this up. No, man, I ain't perfect at all. I'm striving, I'm in this battle. My battles might look slightly different than yours, but we're in a battle, man. Let's do this together. Yeah, but that's your practice. Mm -hmm. This is my practice because definitely I'm not perfect. I still I wake up times not thinking this. But one thing I say is perfectly imperfect and perfectly perfect. We're all perfect. We're all imperfect. That's exactly how we're supposed to be. Yep. But who's defining perfect? Man's definition. So you could define your own definition of perfect. Yeah, I, I mean, unattainable. I think, I think you can strive. I think striving to be perfect is like a like ultimately you're failing, right? It's something you're never gonna get. Oh yeah, perfectionism isn't. Yeah, yeah. Because even still, let's just say you have a goal and you want to do that perfectly, but even still, you might you might get there and realize that that goal is now changed and it's moved and it's in a different location. So it's not really in getting the thing. It's about the journey towards the thing. Have you ever had a goal and you get there and then you get kind of sad? Yeah, because it's over. Right? Yeah. Or sometimes you get there and then you look back and you're like, wait, I got here where I wanted to be, but I didn't get there on the path that I thought I was going to get here. I went on a different path. Yep. I also want to say that even looking at this one, I take it back. I know my favorite one. Uh, but even still looking at this art, it it has a sense of um, choice even within the art. Because looking at this, you have all these words. Do you know how many words there are here? Do you have any? It I, looks like... I knew. I think it was 60. Yeah, it's got to be over remember. 50. But they're all such super powerful words. But even still looking at this, I can sit here and stare at this, and every time I look at it, I'm picking up something different. So beautiful work with this. I Just so you guys know, I will be posting these photos because... I think it's pretty uh, mandatory for everyone to see it. And hopefully you appreciate it as much as I do. So um, 
I talked to uh, your buddy Evan. Mm-hmm. Did he tell you? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, okay. Well, so a funny story is like I, I've I've known him for quite some time. We bumped into in each other, you know, over events and stuff in and around Santa Monica. Uh, friends on Facebook, like have mutual friends, and it didn't dawn on me until recently. I'm like, wait a second, Beautify Earth, that's yours. Like that's, I'm like, I'm having Ruben on the show. Like this, it, it, I blew my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, I'm like, what just happened? I didn't realize it. It was like this has been under my nose this whole time. I actually so, like to say this real quick. I like to say he discovered me because the way that came about was he saw me doodling on a piece of paper and he's like, dude, we got to get you on a wall. And that's the wall that led to the first mural that oh, led wow. to where we are right now. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, man, those, those moments and then taking advantage of it. Because let's just say he looked at it and he thought, oh, wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. So good on him for acting on something that, he, that grabbed him. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. You have those, those impulses, man. You got you to gotta grab those and don't stifle them. So a couple of questions I asked him was, like, hey, do you have any questions and stuff that I should bring up? So the first thing he says is, and, and Evan, just so you know, is like uh, I don't know, official title, but a co-founder of Beautify Earth. He's the granddaddy founder. Okay. He's our executive director too. Okay. And he says, what, and this is one of the questions I asked, uh, he said to ask you, what uh, the vision is for our state, country, and planet? And I was like, wow, that's a pretty... I was like, all right, I'm going to ask anyways. Is there like a rehearsed answer? I don't, I'm kind of curious about where that even comes from. You know what's funny? So the thing with Evan and I, the other day we presented together. and We didn't practice. We, I mean, our, our passion for this is one thing. We think completely differently. So the way we present and operate and talk and define this mm-hmm. mission, it's like this volley that goes back and forth. Um, which plays very well to the no, role. Same, and good. then our other buddy, Sergio, who's part of this mission from the beginning as well, he started the Beautify Education. So that's when we go and beautify schools and create those programs around the kids in schools as well. And we just have this, it's this dance that just works because we all operate differently. Yep. So that I think is important. I mean, I mean, maybe I can answer it. And I think we already did when we talked about moving the stones. Yeah. Well, to answer that, we would, back to your original thought, would we answer it the same? Yes, in our own ways. Yeah. The vision is we've kind of shown Santa Monica what the model could be. And we, what we really want to do is like say here and give it to any city in the state, any city in the world, say, look what we did here. This is how you can do it. Let's make this the norm. So from Santa Monica, we want to make it a California thing. And if we make California, beautify California, the model, mm-hmm. then we can take it to the country and say, hey, look what we did in California. So it started from set, doing it in one city to two to three to a whole state, then doing it in the country and then showing, hey, look what we did in this country, the U.S., because that's where we happen to live, and then go and show the world and then all of a sudden, the entire world has this movement of beautification. So that's like when it. we say beautify earth is a movement. It doesn't mean it's just painting walls. Yep. It could be sculptures. It could be parks. It could be plants. It could, it's just that way of beautifying our spaces so they don't look so imposing, so they don't look so prison-like. I mean, yep. I, this fascination with man building walls and structures that make us feel imprisoned is... 
it's fascinating because I love a good skyscraper, but at the same time, when you're surrounded by 50 and you can't see any trees, skyline, or mountains, you kind of start feeling trapped. And humans need to see nature. We are animals, just mm -hmm. like the animals that we're taking the land from. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So if you can't ne necessarily change the walls, but you can change the perception of the walls. Yeah. So, right. Mm -hmm. Change the way you're thinking and change the way you're seeing. Uh, I think Santa Monica is a, a pretty good place to start. Um, also because it's not just, I understand the business side of it. And there, there's got to be a ton of bureaucracy on permits and getting everything approved and stuff. So if it's working in Santa Monica, which has all kinds of fun red tape and mm -hmm. rules and municipal codes and stuff to get through, then it can work everywhere else. Also, Santa Monica is a good start because of the vagrancy, because of the transients, because of the vandalisms. The little, the petty theft, the urinating in public, you know, the, you know, it's a high pomus population. There's, there's kids, there's, it's a whole like melting pot of all kinds of shenanigans. And as somebody that, you know, works those mean streets, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't necessarily say for sure, statistically, this is what this is showing, but I think on the areas where you have that art, you have less shenanigans. Mm -hmm. and, and we've seen that. And the good thing is what you brought up, especially being on the streets and at night and seeing all mm -hmm. these things, because a lot of people say, hey, why Santa Monica? It's such an affluent, amazing, beautiful, rich city. And I think people get stuck on the notion of Third Street Promenade, the pier, and everything west of Lincoln. But there's a whole lot of Santa Monica that spans, you know, all the way toward West L.A. Mm -hmm. That is low-income housing. That is housing for addicts of different sources and people with different mental conditions and different things like that. And live in some of these apartment buildings that look like they're pulled out of Compton yep. or South Central or anywhere else. But the whole notion of it's in Santa Monica, so... Gives it a tie. But yeah, we have the same issues here as there are anywhere else. Yep. Not as bad. Obviously, there's different places that are worse. But uh, There's also, um, I really like another good one, and I like the location of it, the Reflect. I think that's through Beautify Earth. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily yeah. yours. but No, I didn't. My buddy Cell painted that. He, yeah, that's good. one of our artists that painted Yeah, I really enjoy that stuff, especially, uh, you know, you have like, you still have like underprivileged youth and stuff, and so those type of things, man, built... In my opinion, art like that helps, like, you know, forget me, whatever. But if it helps build a confidence in the youth, man, then it's mm -hmm. that I can get behind. And the cool thing about that whole corner, so mm -hmm. that's Pico and 10th ish, mm -hmm. I think, is there's that liquor store that's completely, we have a couple artists that painted that. The Claire Foundation is right across, which has the Reflect and the Inspire, mm -hmm. who helps addicts. So that liquor store across the street used to be a lot of liquor ads all over the liquor store. And until we painted it with an amazing mural, you don't know it's a liquor store unless you kind of see the liquor sign and then walk into it because it's just from head to toe covered in paint. The people from the Claire Foundation, the addicts that live there, were like, thank you for doing that. It is no longer such a struggle for me to look across the street and want to run in there and get a drink. I just see art. And I don't get past that now. It's yeah. just art and it's awesome. And it's not a beer ad. 
So that that was a really cool thing with just the placement yeah. of that in that area. Uh, another thing Evan brought up was uh, how it affects community pride. And so, if I may, uh, I don't, you know, you don't know this, but I was born and raised and now work in Santa Monica. So I think I can speak. In fact, several of my generations have was born and raised in Santa Monica. So my perspective is kind of unique. And so from, from, from that, um, I definitely have a sense of gratitude and a greater sense of pride in my community because of this stuff. And another good one, and I park there all the time, is the one you guys did um, on Olympic Boulevard by the high school. And just a concept, when I park there, I look at the art, because you know, otherwise it's getting tagged and it's getting all kinds of shenanigans on it. And it's in a location, you come off the freeway, it's seen a lot, it can have an effect on a lot of people, setting ripple effects one way or another. But the other thing I really, a vibe I get from it is the sense of community that worked together to put that there. Because I know it's just not one person or two people. It was a whole community of people that worked together through love to put it up. Mm-hmm. So that that is a sense that I get from from that particular one. Yeah, that one took a lot of work. Like I designed it. That's my role in it. We put it together. Evan fought through all the city channels. Um, the team put together volunteers to help paint it. So it was it's a massive team effort. So we like to say it's a beautify earth mural. Um, and one thing that I started realizing is when we walked, when we worked on it, we worked on it over a weekend, but then I came back and did some finishing stuff during a school day and around three o'clock, mm-hmm. the amount of parents that line up out there and just sit there to pick up their kid, it was this giant concrete wall just like, and now they have all this color around and they were all saying, thank you, this, that, and the other. But I also wanted it to be like, this is Santa Monica's Hollywood sign now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was, it's a tribute to Santa Monica, but yeah, that was a massive team effort to to bring that one to life and bring that corridor to life. I kind of have this vision. I have this shot of it where there's that wall, the freeway layer underneath has a wall, and then there's a layer under that. I kind of wanted to say Santa Monica, California, USA, and make it like a three-layer thing. I just don't know legalities and Caltrans on painting the freeway walls. Yeah, there's right off the freeway, you know, like right there, those little columns that come up. Well, somebody had made, I don't know what it was made out of, you know, paper mache or styrofoam or whatever it is, but somebody made like a, I don't know, like a three foot uh, Super Mario, like warping out of the the tube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It looked straight, like right out of the video game. And it was right there. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, we just made something out of nothing. That was just a, a column. But now look how cool that is. Mm-hmm. It's making me smile. And I was yeah. kind of looking because we get gas right there off the freeway. And I could kind of see. I was like, let me see. Obviously, everyone's on their phones. But every now and then, somebody wasn't. Mm-hmm. And we'll pick it up and smile. But I don't know how that thing got taken down. I don't know if it was, you got kidnapped or what. But Yeah, maybe someone stole it. Probably. You know, that's how, unfortunately, how things are sometimes. But the, the impact on what it did from taking something like Something you would even notice, now you're creating a happy feeling in somebody. Mm-hmm. And that is super powerful. Uh, if something does come up, I mean, I would like to, whatever it looks like, I don't know exactly, but I would definitely like to support and be involved. You know, I don't know if it's painting while I'm in uniform. Some t- I'd like to have some type of positive effect on mm-hmm. and support you guys. So yeah, definitely. We'll let you know when the next volunteer event yep. is or when I'm painting 
Yep. Um, you come by. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, in fact, maybe we can make a little video and cover that. Because uh, the process itself, I think, is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something to really, really, to highlight from like, you know, from inception to presentation and how much of that story, there's so much of a, a story there. Like you I mean, the time behind the scenes. And, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you see the, uh, I think when, when, it, when it's up, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Just like these podcasts, like, yeah, I just hit record and just start yapping, but no, nah, man, there's all kinds of work and experiences and stuff that go into it. Well, a couple of calls to action, if you guys can. So I remind you to do the little things, just like the, the beginning there, do the little things, act and, and show what others mean to you. And again, remember the, the project or the challenge to give something away of yours to somebody else. And that emotional attachment, I want you to pay attention to it. I also think you'll be surprised on how much more powerful that thing is to you now that is not with you. Also, um, go check out, it's on YouTube and it's broken down by a lot of different things. It's broken down in little pieces. It's broken down in a super highlights. It's actually the entire sermon is there too. Uh, Loving Your Enemies by Martin Luther King. It's on YouTube. You can check that out. If you're so inclined, I know somebody out there will do this, hopefully, to take it a step further and look at Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail. It's a thing he wrote in the margins of newspapers while locked up in jail in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, Fascinating thing he did and shows his genius because he wrote that off the top of his head, no notepads, no internet, no books, nothing. And it leaves an awesome blueprint on how to respond with love and nonviolence to create change. I think I, it, to me, it's like, an, like I'm, I wish that, that alone was a class in high school. Just even this, that one piece of thing. So go check it out. Because if, if you don't know it and you grew up in the United States especially or anywhere in the world and you don't know what it is, then you've, your history classes have done a disservice but you can choose to go and educate yourself on it. So check that out. Also go to beautifyearth.com. Org. Okay. It, uh, it's a nonprofit. .org. It actually leads to it, so I... Yeah, the click. the .com just in case. Yeah, yeah, it should. And rubenrojas.com. Now, another thing to highlight is your civic duty and kind of learn about how you can influence your community. And even if it's looking for a mural and then passing along the info to kind of get involved in trying to make your community a little better and, and improve the pride there and how powerful that is for you. We call it civic love. Civic love. All right. Now, I talked earlier about how I was going to close out the show and I wanted to use a couple different quotes. But before I get into that, can you tell the listeners about your social media or how they can follow and support, maybe get some art, stickers, anything? Um, Instagram's your best option for mostly everything because it's up to date and current. It's at Ruben Rojas. It's my name, R-U-B-E-N-R-O-J-A-S. Facebook, Twitter, all of them are the same. Uh, and I do have a secret po- poetry account. 
love Ruben underscore. Uh, I have a lot of poems on there. And direct message me, talk to me, engage with me. I, I write back, I comment back. And email Ruben at RubenRojas.com or Ruben at BeautifyEarth.org. And that's about it. I actually want to read one of the the poems that you uh, posted from September 7th of 2017. And I chose this for uh, several reasons, but one of them is also, it's based out of love, but also ties into some other themes and other episodes that I've done on, on, the epi- on this podcast as it relates to breath work and breathing and centering yourself and recalibrating and um, finding peace. And I've talked about like your life becomes a masterpiece when you learn to master peace. And that's done through your breath. So here we go. In fact, I have a better idea. Do you want to read it? Go for it. All right. Eventually, you're going to read it, and we're going to make some cool videos. So stand by for those, everyone. Works for me. That breath you just took, that's a gift. Cherish it. For they are finite and few. Breathe in, breathe out. No worry too deep, just life testing thee. Keep your head down, keep pushing through. Your time is now. You have it all inside of you. Breathe when it gets tough. Breathe when you've had enough. Breathe when you need to shift. Breathe and just take it all in. This life is a magical gift. Don't be afraid to slow down, to take a breath to find your feet, challenge yourself, set goals. Believe that what you do matters, take control. Breathe because you're you, breathe because you're enough. Breathe that worthy breath, breathe into every fiber of your being and be. It's not what's on the surface, it's underneath. Now take a moment, and just breathe. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. I like hearing you say it because I know how I say it. <laughs> I haven't, that's off the cuff. I haven't practiced it, nothing. Mm-hmm. But then again, you have intention and perception, right? And that's be- the, one of the, uh, the part that's kind of beautiful. You, you put out your art and how it gets transformed or perceived or echoed might be a little different. And that, again, is at loverubin underscore on Instagram. And lastly, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I'm going to close out the show because I think it's going to tie some things together. Uh, But before I do that, I want to deeply and from my sincerest place, thank you for your time and for coming on. And thank you for the, the inspiration and the recalibration and the journey that you're on. And I hope, and I think you do a good job of really savoring the moments. All right, now this is a quote from John Lennon. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we are afraid, we pull back from life. When we are in love, we open to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. 
We need to learn to love ourselves first in all our glory and our imperfections. If we cannot love ourselves, we cannot fully open to our ability to love others or our potential to create. Evolution and all hopes for a better world rest in the fearlessness and open-hearted vision of people who embrace life. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. You are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. So get up strong, help others get up strong, and be unconquerable. I'm Scott McGee, and this is the CC Way.